Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi, everyone. I feel like I haven't sat down to record Feathers in My Hair in so fucking long. Where have we been? No, I've been in my house. (laughs) It's just that I recorded with Amanda last week, and whenever I have a guest, I feel like it's different than recording on my own. So, hi. How are you? Um, Before I get started, I want to give a shout out to some essential workers. I made a little list. If there are people that I forgot, uh, I'm sure there are, send me a message and I'll add it for next week. Uh, So first, somebody asked me to shout out Trina, who I know is a listener and somebody that I have conversed with in the past. So she's working and listening and shout out to you. I appreciate it. Okay, so first I want to shout out farmers who are making the fucking world go round and still giving us fresh vegetables. High key appreciate it, especially my favorite farmer, Caitlin. I have a listener. Her name is Caitlin. She's a big supporter. I love her. She's bought tie-dye for me. She's great. We're Facebook friends. And she's a fucking farmer, like a real farmer. And shout out to Caitlin. She is doing her thing. Um, I also want to say shout out to moms and dads, but mostly moms. <laughs> who are fucking working or not working, but homeschooling their kids, like dealing with them 24-7. I can't imagine how hard it is. Um, Yeah, like major shout out to every mom and dad, but especially mom that's listening and has taken on like a 24-7 caregiver role with no breaks. That shit is hard and I appreciate you. I want to shout out to everyone working at gas stations, especially Wawa workers, because Wawa is especially my heart. Um, It's crazy that I haven't put gas in my car in like over a month, but a lot of people still got to travel. So shout out gas station workers. And somebody asked that I shout out steel workers and just plant workers in general. And I would have never thought of that on my own. I think the interesting thing about this is that there are just so many essential workers that like we truly rely on to make this world work that people like me working in an office and living a life of privilege, like never even think about. And I think that something that has been really important in this quarantine is to acknowledge all of those people and like recognize how essential they all are. Like, so yeah, shout out to all them. Shout out as always delivery drivers, fucking teachers. Like I see so many teachers on TikTok, like, cause TikTok is my access to the outside world who, you know, people are posting like their moms and their grandmothers who have never used a computer in their life. I saw a TikTok the other day of a woman that just didn't know how to use a computer and now is fully teaching online classes. Like, that is amazing. So, yeah, shout out to students that are still doing the thing. Um, Shout out to anybody that isn't going to be able to have a graduation and a senior week. And that's just – I just want everybody to realize that we're all in this together, right? (laughs) I don't know. Is this too cheesy? (laughs) It probably is. I don't care. I think that, like, there's no better time for cheesiness. And, of course, healthcare workers, of course, of course, of course. Um, But, yeah, I just think it's important to recognize, you know, we talk about, like, healthcare workers and then, like, say, like, and all essential workers, but don't actually say what those essential workers are. And I'm so grateful for the people that make it so that I can still go to the grocery store, even though I barely do that. And people that make it so we can get deliveries and people that make it so we have food and people that make it so that if your pipes blow up, the plumber can still come. (laughs) 
So yeah, thank you to everyone. Okay, um, with that said, should we have an episode? Oh, I just want to quickly plug my uh, separate Patreon that I'm doing why COVID-19 is happening and I don't have a job. It is going really well. I really like it. If you want to find it, go to patreon.com slash Liz Bentley. The link is in my Instagram bio, my feathers underscore pod Instagram bio, and I am talking about the show Sister Wives. I'm doing a Sister Wives podcast once a week, but then I'm releasing about four other episodes a week. People can commission episodes, and I'm talking about a lot of things. If you are looking for content, um, definitely come my way. Check it out if you can't afford it. Like, I get it. I had to cancel Patreon. Like, I had to cancel a lot of my Patreon subscriptions. I totally get it. Um, I'm trying hard not to plug it too much because I just, I don't want feathers in my hair to be taken over by this other podcast I'm doing that I'm calling Out of Work Liz or Liz is Out of Work. I can never remember which one I called it, (laughs) but I'm doing my Out of Work Liz podcast, but feathers in my hair, you know, is still its own thing and I want people to have free content and I don't want anyone to feel like they have to pay, but if you are looking for content and you're interested I'm putting out a shit ton of podcasts. (laughs) Like, I'm recording podcasts, no joke, almost every single day of the week. Um, I had to make a calendar to keep track of it all. I'm recording a lot. I just want to read off some of the episodes that have been commissioned and ones that are coming up if you're interested in any of this stuff. So, as I said, Sister Wives, but I've also done a podcast on Dance Moms, Gallery Girls, um, Real World Las Vegas with Troy. Troy and I talked about Real World Las Vegas, a 20-minute episode for two hours, <laughs> as I do. I just did one on MTV's Fat Camp, part one and two. By the way, if you have not rewatched MTV's Fat Camp or have never watched it, they're both on YouTube. I highly suggest that you go watch it. I did one on John and Kate Plus 8. I recorded one last night on Mob Wives. It's coming out soon. Coming up, I have True Life, I'm a Shopaholic, Flipping Out, I'm going to do that one with Princess, um, a Vanderpump Rules episode, My Three Wives. I'm going to do one on Caroline Calloway and just like bloggers in general. One on the Vlog Squad, one on Real Housewives in New York. An early episode, I'm going to get a good guest for that. An episode of Intervention, I have to pick which one. I'm going to do one on Trisha Paytas and like YouTubers that aren't the Vlog Squad. And a Jesus Wife, a Jesus Wife, a Jesus Camp episode. So that's all of my like... Uh, commissioned episodes that I have on the books for right now. That's a lot of podcasts, guys. Like, it's a lot. And you know, I like to talk, so they're long. Honestly, I think I'm putting out too many podcasts. Like, I'm not sure how anybody could keep up with the amount that I'm putting out. But, you know, I figure it's there. If people want it, they can have it. If they don't, then they'll catch up eventually. So yeah, patreon.com slash Liz Bentley. If you're interested in listening to me talk about Sister Wives or all of those other topics, definitely come pick it out check it out. If not, don't worry. Feathers in my hair were sold. Will soldier on as always. So yeah, that's uh, that's it for housekeeping. Let's talk about the news this week. There were two things that I wanted to talk about and now one of those things has lost my mind. And the only thing I can think about is that Leah is releasing her book this month or it has been released. I think it hasn't been released yet. She's just um, doing promo for it. As you guys know, I will not be reading that book. I still hope my friend Jess will be able to read it. However, I don't know if she'll have time because she is working from home and full-time mothering and doing all of that fun stuff. So we shall see. But 
Leah released a bunch of excerpts from her book as promotion, and that's kind of how I like to consume the Teen Mom books, which is I read the juicy bits that get released to, like, the Daily Mail, because all of the good bits will get released. <laughs> Someone will do a recap on them. I won't need to read this book. Uh, one of the revelations is that she was molested by a babysitter when she was five, which is very sad and upsetting, and I... I don't know. I don't think there's really anything to say on that. Uh, I'm kind of surprised more of the teen moms haven't come forward uh, as being like child sexual assault survivors. I think statistically they probably are just because of how many people are. But I think it's very brave and courageous for Lee to come forward, especially because I myself am was molested when I was five. So yeah, I think it's important to talk about. I think not enough people talk about it and I commend Leah for talking about it. Then, um, this is so, okay, so it came out, as everybody knows, when Leah first got with Jeremy, and she was, like, kind of going back and forth with Corey, she got pregnant and miscarried, and that's, like, around the time that her and Jeremy got engaged, and then the show went off the air, and it came back, and she had had Addie. Well, she came out and said that it wasn't a miscarriage, she had an abortion, and lied to MTV and lied to Jeremy about it, which, okay. Do I care about Leah had an abortion? No. Do I care about Leah had an abortion and then quickly went on to get pregnant with Addie? No. Do I care that Leah had an abortion and the reason that she had the abortion is because she wanted to get back with Corey and then when Corey wouldn't get back to her, she then just went back to Jeremy and got immediately pregnant? No, I don't give a fuck. I truly don't care why anybody gets an abortion ever. Um, do I understand lying about getting an abortion and saying it's a miscarriage on national TV? Yes. Abortion stigma is very real. Abortion stigma is really hard to deal with. I can understand not being ready or comfortable to come out on TV and say that you've had an abortion. And when your life is being filmed and you don't want to tell people you had an abortion, like lying about a miscarriage is an option. Do I think it's right? No. I mean, it's wild. I think right and wrong, I think this is a very gray situation, not a black and white situation. Right now I'm just talking about her like lying on TV. I read some Reddit comments that, you know, somebody had said like she had just had a miscarriage when those episodes came out and she felt like she related so much to Leah and what Leah was going through and she felt like almost a sense of betrayal reading this news and I can understand that miscarriages are traumatic and very sad and like really life devastating for some people life devastating life ruining and devastating for some people and so to lie about that is wrong like I don't know wrong to lie about that I can understand why people would be hurt and offended to find out that she lied about that I'm not a person that's had a miscarriage I am a person that has empathy so I can understand how that feels but it's not like a personal betrayal to me, is what I'm saying. Like, I do not feel like Leah has co-opted an experience that I have felt and lied about it on television. Um, and I can completely understand why people feel that way. And I believe that's a very valid feeling to have. And I think maybe if I be, was in that position, I would feel a little more upset about, like, the line to TV aspect. I will say, like, I'd, I can understand, like, being in that position and just being so overwhelmed and, like, you're on a fucking reality TV show and you don't know how to be honest about the situation. You just say you had a miscarriage. Like, 
I guess I can get that. That's something I can understand because abortions are really complex and yeah, shit happens and lying really isn't great, but like I can understand how a person gets in that position, but I just want to say like anybody that's sitting there and feels like Leah has co-opted their, Leah co-opted their trauma or like a traumatic experience that they went through and lied about on national TV, like I think that's valid. Like I think that's a valid feeling to have and like I see you and I hear you and I, I totally get it. I just, for me personally, I that's not the part that is like, what the fuck to me. I mean, it's wild. Like, coming on TV and lying about having a miscarriage is wild. Also, I will say, like, I really wish people would stop saying that Kayla aborted Javi's baby and that now it's her turn to come out because we do not know that. It is never... it. That rumor is literally based on a comment, like, in a comment that was on Crazy Days and Nights Blind Items, which are made up anyway. Like, it's based on nothing. The person was like... I'm friends with Sterling's husband, and uh, Kale got pregnant by Sterling's husband and lied to Javi about it and aborted it and lied and said she had a miscarriage. Like, it's such a crazy story. It's literally based on nothing. If Kale did that, then maybe one day we'll find out. But, like, until she comes out and says that that's what she did, like, I I don't believe that to be true. We know that Kale has a history of miscarriages. She's had quite a few miscarriages. I don't think it's hard to believe that she had a miscarriage. Okay. So... That said, like, it's wild. It's wild to lie on TV and then, like, come out years later and be like, I had an abortion and I lied about it on TV because I couldn't deal with it. Okay. What's really, to me, fucked up is that she lied to Jeremy about it for years, apparently. Apparently, she did not tell Jeremy about this until much, much later. She said it was really hard to tell him, which I'm sure. Now, my thing. I don't believe that, realistically, like, Jeremy had no decision-making abilities, right? Like, Leah's the one that has to carry this baby and put and have this baby and raise this baby or whatever. Um, men don't have a choice when it comes to abortion. They should not have a choice. Like, that's that's a hard line for me. I do not feel that Leah needed to consult Jeremy for this abortion. Um, I think that if she did not want to have a baby by Jeremy for whatever reason, even if she already told him they were pregnant, even if he was excited for the kid... Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. I think she was well within her rights to have an abortion without telling Jeremy if she felt like this is what she needed to do and was the right thing to do. However, lying to him about it and then staying in a relationship with him is fucked up. That like that's fucked up. Are there cases where somebody gets an abortion and lies to their partner about it and stays with them and I can like understand it? Sure. I actually read this Reddit "Am I the asshole?" post once where. She wanted to lie to her husband about it and stay with him. And I, like, totally got it. Like, I totally understood what she was saying. It was, like, a really complicated and terrible situation. Um, The fact that Leah, according to Leah herself, aborted this baby because she wanted to get back with Corey. And then Corey didn't want to get back with her. So she got back with Jeremy. (laughs) I don't think, for me, that falls into, like, the justifiable lying. (laughs) Just for me. Maybe for you it does. But for me, it does not. My thing is, is that although Jeremy should not and cannot have a choice, I mean, look, should he? Sure, of course. He, but like realistically, like this is all in the woman. It's her choice. If a man doesn't want her to get an abortion, like, so what? Who cares? She still is the one that has to carry this baby to determine have the baby. So even if he agrees to raise the baby and she doesn't need to have anything to do with it, like, it's still her body, her choice. Okay. 
I mean, if you guys don't agree with me, that's fine. I don't think anybody's really shocked. I think I've made this, my opinions on abortion quite known, right? (laughs) I don't think any of my loyal listeners are really shocked by my position on this. But what I will say is that I think that what Jeremy had the right to do was enter, like, Jeremy didn't have a right in, like, should she abort or not abort, but he should have been given the full information of the situation so that he could make a decision if he wanted to continue to be in a relationship with Leah or not, knowing that she aborted their baby. I think that he has every right to decide not to be in a relationship with her because he did not agree with her choice to abort. And I think that we know that they got engaged around this time. I'll have to go. I should go back and rewatch these episodes. Um, but it sounds crazy to say I haven't had the time, but I honestly really haven't. Uh, I am still working a little bit for my job to keep my health insurance, like a very, like not much, but I am. And so between that and my other podcast, which is actually quite a bit of work, I just haven't gone back and rewatched these. But in my, if my memory serves me correct, they got engaged because she got pregnant with this baby and then stayed together after the miscarriage, like really bonded them together so for Jeremy to not have the choice to be like okay well you know we got engaged because you were pregnant by my with me and my child and now you're not going to have my child and you chose not to have my child like then I'm going to choose not to be with you I think that it's very fucked up that their marriage was built on just such a foundation of lies and that Jeremy not getting the choice to say, I want to continue this relationship or I don't want to continue this relationship with the full knowledge of her decision and why she made that decision. (laughs) Look, Jeremy was never a good husband. He was never a good father. He was never going to be a good husband. He was probably never going to be a good father. I'm not saying that their marriage only didn't work because of this, but I don't know how you could look at this marriage and not understand that that is such a major fuck up and such a, it's just, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's just such a fuck up. It's such a lie. Then to like make him mourn a child that was lost via miscarriage is really fucked up. Like really fucked up. Um, because you're mourning like together as a couple and like letting him believe like that there was no way to prevent this. And it's just this sad thing that happened. And he, Basically, you're denying him an authentic emotional experience, right? And this is a person that you claim that you want to be with and is a partner in life and somebody that you love. And to deny them that authentic emotional experience is fucked up. And I do believe this is like such a case of gray and every situation is different. And I'm sure there are people listening that have been in a situation where they had an abortion line, had a miscarriage, and they could come tell me their story. And I'd be like, girl, I get it. That made sense. You did the right thing. But in this particular gray situation, I think that Leah absolutely did the wrong thing by lying to Jeremy about this. And Jeremy should have been able to walk away at that time if he wanted to. You know, like Jeremy should have been able to be like, okay, well, we only got engaged because you were pregnant. And then you aborted that because you wanted to get back with Corey. So like, I don't want to get engaged anymore. I don't want to get married. And I don't want to have a family with you. And then they could have avoided the whole fucking mess that was their marriage. (laughs) Right? Like, so much could have been avoided if she had just been honest with him. But instead, it's like, oh my God, well, I, you know, like, she had a miscarriage, so he probably felt like 
well, you know, even though she's not pregnant anymore, like, I proposed to her, but she had a miscarriage. Like, I can't be like, well, I don't want to be with you anymore if there's no baby because, like, she had a miscarriage. It's just, it's just an emotional manipulation on a level that I find really hard to digest. And I think it makes Leah look very bad. But I will say, that's the tea, right, sis? <laughs> that's the gossip that I'm looking for. Like, that's the hot gossip that, like, I want. When I read that, I was like, fuck. Like, Leah, okay. Like, when I find out that she, you know, I'm not that surprised to hear that she was assaulted as a child. As I said, like, I'm not that surprised to hear that she's talking about it in her book. I figured that she would talk a lot about the drug addiction stuff. But, ooh, am I surprised to find about find out about the fact that that miscarriage that we all watched on TV was actually an abortion. Like, that's some hot gossip. And I like that. And I respect her for telling us that. <laughs> for our entertainment. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's just crazy. It's really crazy. And I look for, I hope there's other good shocking details in this book. I kind of feel like it's going to be a lot of her talking about her addiction and kind of like being honest, but like just honest enough so that she doesn't have to get like really honest. I think it's going to be like that, but I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, let's talk about this week's Teen Mom OG right after a quick break. Okay, so I guess it makes sense to start about right off at the top of the episode, they told us everybody's reaction to the leaked footage. They played the leaked footage of Amber telling Andrew that she was going to kill him and him being like, don't throw that at me. I'm holding the baby. They definitely played probably one of those, definitely like a good snippet, I will say. Um, They should have just played them all, honestly. And this whole episode should have just been us listening to her just berate him. Um, She lets us know the audio is from nine months ago, as if that makes any sort of difference. (laughs) Nine months is like nothing. Nine months was like, it's April now, so I don't know how to do math. But nine months was what, like last June? Like, that was yesterday. Nine months is nothing. She's making it sound like it was nine years ago. Um, And we get everybody's quick reaction to it. Short, Corey and Cheyenne are listening to it, and Corey's like, did you know any of this before you went to court? And Cheyenne's like... No, and, um, you know, like, she, what she told us is very different from this. You could tell that Cheyenne was feeling a little bit like, uh, what the fuck? And Corey does say, like, um, Andrew's poking her. Like, why would you poke the bear when you know a person is like this? I'm so sick of this argument. I'm so sick of this argument. Abusers abuse. That's what they do. Victims, like, poking the bear. Like, it can be anything. That fight could have started over her thinking that Andrew, like, turned the TV channel the wrong way. And so for them to be like, well, he's provoking her. Like, get fucked. Truly get fucked. Um, So then Macy and Taylor are reading the Ashley, (laughs) our Teen Mom paper of record, and talking about it. And um, Macy's like... Look, we all know she's wrong. I'm sure she listens to that and knows she's wrong. Actually... No, Corey May said that. My notes are a little unclear. But when I hear all these people be like, Amber knows she's wrong. I'm like, does Amber know she's wrong? Because Amber's been doing this behavior for 10 fucking years that we've seen on TV. So probably 20 years. She's probably been doing this behavior since she was a teenager. So like when they say like, well, Amber knows she's wrong. I'm like, says who? Who says that? It's like that gift from Real Housewives of... um. Real, ho- Real Housewives of Real Housewives, Real Housewives of Atlanta, where they're all sitting at the table, and they're like, who said that? Who said that? Like, that's me. Like, who said that Amber knows she's wrong? B- 
because she doesn't know she's wrong because she continues to do this behavior. So Macy says that everyone has their faults. And then she says something fucking insane, which is, I'm not condoning anything she's done or said, but for future reference, if I ever lose my mind, I hope to God you call the cops on me and help me get help not recording this stuff. She's so much better than this. I will say that I noticed Taylor basically didn't say shit during this segment. I think Taylor's like, Ugh, or at least I hope he's like, Ugh. Um, for Macy to say that it was Ander, Anders, Andrew's responsibility to get Amber help is, first of all, insane. Second of all, like, to say that it's the domestic violence violence victim's responsibility to call the police and not record to get evidence is so out of line. They're talking about it like he's not a victim, and that's what drives me nuts. They're acting like this is an isolated incident, and, like, Amber didn't spend multiple years abusing him, and that it's just so easy for domestic violence people victims to call the cops and, like, look at what happened when Andrew called the cops. You guys all went to court and supported her and called him a narcissist and called him a loser and said that he was an asshole and that he didn't, des- that she didn't deserve any of this. So, like, he was fucking right to record it. That's what drives me up a fucking wall. Like, I don't understand why Cheyenne, when she's talking with Corey and said, like, we didn't know any of this. Like, why doesn't she just say on camera, like, Amber presented to us a very different picture and she made it sound like she was not responsible for any of this. And I'm really taken back by this behavior because this is, like, not what she told me happened at all. Like, I don't understand why they won't just call Amber a fucking liar. And this is my fucking issue with it. And Tyler and Kate want to talk about condoning versus supporting, condoning versus support. The fact is they are condoning it because they're not calling her out on any her behavior all they're saying is well you know she was wrong and like she knows she's wrong no what would be what would be support versus condoning her like like I said I I can understand like going to court to support but the fact that like they have not sat on camera and said one nice thing about Andrew that they've not sat on camera and said one supportive thing about Andrew and James that they've not sat on camera and said that wholeheartedly Amber did wrong And I'm, like, the fact that none of them are questioning their friendship with her, none of them are questioning, like, what she did. They're both, they're all just like, oh, well, she needs help. Okay, so why are you not confronting her? Here's what support versus condoning looks like. When you call Amber and say, Amber, I, we need to talk about this on camera. Because on camera, I went to support you. And now I need to talk, like, to court. So I need to talk to you on camera about this. And what I need to say to you is that you need to go get professional help. You need to go to an inpatient facility. If we are to continue this friendship, like you need to go get serious help because what I heard is really scary and it's really violent and it really doesn't matter what Andrew did. And I understand that he recorded it and that you may not think that's right and I may not think that's right, but that does not negate the things that you said. And let's take Andrew out of this equation and realize that you are unhealthy and you are in toxic relationships and you are in an unhealthy environment and you need to go get serious help. So while yes, I support you and I love you, I cannot continue to support you until you go get help. And if you will not, not if you will not go get help, then I'm not sure that I see this friendship continuing because I cannot have a friend that has the character that you have. Because I do think that you are a better person than this and I do understand that this is your mental health. Although I've been watching you for five fucking years not do anything but go to that psychiatrist to fix it. Why are you not in DBT? Why are you not going to inpatient? Why are you not in an intensive outpatient program? Why are you not going to a therapist three times a fucking week, Amber? Like, at what point 
do you say to your friend, like, I love you and I believe that you can be a better person, but until you go get help, I can no longer associate with you because this is something that is now reflective on me. And I do not have people in my life who treat other people the way that you just treated Andrew. And I don't really care if it was because of your postpartum. I understand that. But what I do care about is that you need to go get help. And until you get help, I can no longer be your friend. If Amber was a fucking heroin addict and everybody was sitting around saying, like, we're just supporting, we're just supporting, we're just supporting, everyone would be like, why doesn't she have to go get treatment? I'm amped up. I drank a Monster Energy drink and I haven't been um, drinking caffeine except for Diet Coke, which I consider caffeine light. Like, I haven't been drinking coffee at all. And I am wired. Um, but yeah, so the fact that like they're all sitting around and being like, Amber knows she was wrong. Amber knows she was wrong. Who fucking cares if Amber knows she's wrong? Because she has no fucking coping skills or life skills that is going to prevent this from happening again. Here's another way that a friend can supports not condones. They say, Amber, what the fuck are you doing in your life to make sure this doesn't happen again? What are you doing? Why, how did this happen? How are you going to stop this from happening again? Why is it that we know that you spoke to Matt this way? Because we all fucking heard it at the reunions and shit. And we all saw how you acted on marriage boot camp with Matt. We know that you spoke to Gary this way. We know that this is a pattern for you. And so I think that you're a nice person. I like to talk to you. I think you're funny. I have fun with you. The fact is, now this is some real pattern shit. And when I continue to hang out with you, it makes me look bad because, like, it means that I am supporting this. And I'm sorry, like, that's something that goes for if you're on TV or not. Like, if you are a person that everybody in your life is a piece of shit, then you're a piece of shit, too. That's just bottom line. That is 100% a fact. Look at the five closest people around you as a reflection of yourself. And that's just straight up. And if one of the five closest people around you, which isn't true for Macy because Amber is about the 25th closest person to her, but... If one of those people that you claim you support and is so close to you is continuing to make the same exact mistakes over and over again, I'm not saying that you can't be her friend, but like Amber is in a serious situation. And at what point do you say like, I'm going to have to distance myself from you because what you do scares me and I can't be your friend unless you go and fix this. That's what support versus condoning is because what they are doing is condoning because they're not doing shit to make sure that she's getting better. I will also say Macy had neon orange nails and guys, I'm really fucking struggling with my nails and I've been getting my, I used to never get my nails done. When I moved back from Florida, I started getting my nails done and I missed getting my fucking nails done and I just cut and filed my own nails today and I hated it and I'm going to have to soak off my dip, but I'm waiting for my pure acetone to come from Sally's and Sally's told me it's going to take nine years to get here and I just want to go and get neon orange nails at the nail salon. (laughs) Okay. I just want to do it. I just miss it. I'm amped up. I'm real, real, real amped up, as you guys can tell. Okay, so then we hear Tyler and Caitlin talk about it. And once again, Kate says, she knows it's wrong. People know it's wrong. I know it's wrong. But I don't want to drop her as a friend just because she did something wrong. Which, once again, I understand. But, like, the fact that you are not straight up coming out and being like, what she did was wrong. And I do not support this at all. And unfortunately, like... Amber is like, I don't know, there's just a way to do it. And what they're doing is not the way to do it. (sighs) Kurthy asked Kate what it's like to hear the audio and Kate said it was very triggering and we get a full on flashback of Butch and April screaming in Kate's face about how they're going to physically fight her. So yeah, there, there's that. Okay, so then 
we get a conversation with Gary and Christina and Gary's like, well, you know, um, she's in a funk and she's embarrassed and she doesn't want to see Leah. And Christina's like, we're all one family. We have to support her. I know people would have a problem with their husband going over their ex-girlfriend's house, but like, if she's not doing okay, we're not doing okay. And I'm like, Christina, you need to be such a, stop being such a fucking enabler. I'm kind of up to here with Christina. I'm kind of up to here. I've kind of had it with Christina and her little, like, we just need to support her no matter what thing. Because once again, like, no, you don't. The lack of boundaries here is what's really killing me. Um, So I guess we can just talk about the rest of Amber's segment. So Gary goes over to Amber's house. And first of all, they show like a super Gary symbol, like Superman, but with a G in it. And it's like, give me a fucking break. There's nothing super about Gary. Did Gary do right in this episode? Yeah, I was impressed with Gary. But like Gary's just like he's not being a superhero. Like, please, please. Like, they didn't have any idea what was going on with Andrew and and Amber. I don't believe that. They know how Amber is. I don't know why I'm supposed to believe that, like, Gary is so shocked by any of this. I think Gary is a fine person, but, like, he's not a superhero. So, Gary's over at Amber's house, and she's like, well, you know, when you have bipolar and you have borderline, you have anxiety and you have depression and you have postpartum, that's when you're all messed up. And here's my question. Okay, so the recordings were, like, significantly before the July 4th incident. And we're all supposed to believe that she's now over her postpartum and has been over her postpartum for a few months. However, this is being filmed in September, right? The audio was released around September. And July 4th was not that long before that. Uh, It was, the baby was, like, 14 months old when that happened because the baby was born at the beginning of May. And so, like... Are we not supposed to believe that you were already over your... So, are we supposed to believe that, like, you were still in all of... You attacked Andrew with machete or went... Held the machete while you were going to attack him and he was holding the baby when you were over or still under postpartum depression, still experiencing postpartum depression, and now that it's three months later, you no longer have it? That just doesn't make sense to me and nobody's calling her out on that, of course. Um, she says she's over the postpartum depression now. And Gary's like, well, the people don't know that. And Amber starts screaming. She's like, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. It matters what my kids think and what happens with my case. And Gary right away comes at her and is like, okay, but like, if it matters what your kids think, like you made plans with me to go pick up Leah and like you then didn't do it. You blew us off. And Amber's like, I can't look at my daughter in the face. And like, you should understand that. And Gary basically insists that she needs to get help. Amber insists that she's already getting help. She's like, I'm going to my psychiatrist. But once again, she's been going to that psychiatrist. We've been watching her go to that psychiatrist since she was with fucking Matt. So, like, things aren't changing. That's not your help. The psychiatrist is not fixing anything. (laughs) Things are still bad, apparently. All Amber always says is, like, well, I'm seeing my psychiatrist. Like, nobody cares. Nobody cares that you're seeing your psychiatrist because you're still a fucking wreck. Uh, Gary says, uh, well, you need to go to anger management. And Amber goes, this is truly insane. Amber says, I'll do anything for my son, but the need's just not there. Excuse me? (laughs) What? The need for anger management is not there as she sits on her couch screaming at Gary? Amber is 
lives on another planet. I'm not sure what planet Amber lives on, but it's not the planet the rest of us are on. I I really almost lost my mind when she said that. I couldn't believe that she had the nerve to say that she didn't need anger management. <laughs> well, Gary's like, well, too bad because you're going to agree to do it and I'm going to call right now. Here's the thing. This was very clearly pre-set up. Amber was obviously going to agree to it because Gary calls something and they pick up and go, hello, anger management. <laughs> First of all, I'm pretty sure that when you call, look, I've never called an anger management person. I'm actually not a person that has a lot of anger. I know ironic so I like scream into this microphone, but I'm not a person that like has an anger management issue. So I don't know. I've never been to anger management, but I think anger management is like facilitated at therapist's office and things and clinics. And maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like when you call, they don't say, hello, anger management. They say, hello, mainline behavioral health or hello, Malvern Behavioral Health, or hello, Phoenix House, or hello, you know what I mean? Like, they don't call, like, you don't, they have, they're behavioral health places that offer anger management. It's not just called anger management. So I'm assuming Gary called a producer who picked up and said, hello, anger management. (laughs) And then Gary's like, hey, I'm calling to make an appointment for my ex-girlfriend. And Magically, he's able to make an appointment for a non-family member to come in that day. (laughs) Sure, sure. Sounds realistic, MTV. (laughs) Look, I'm not a fucking idiot, MTV, okay? But Amber agrees to go. They're driving to the appointment. They're, like, kind of laughing about how Gary is helping her and who would have thought that we'd be here. And Amber's talking about it. She's like, I just feel dead. Like, I'm just emotionally drained, which is a feeling I can relate to. Amber gets out of the car and faints. It's so dramatic. It's so stupid. Crew runs over and is like, get out of the car to like one of the other crew members. There's like, Amber fainted, Amber fainted, Amber fainted. Like that lying ass bitch. Amber didn't faint. Amber just closed her eyes and fell to the ground. (laughs) Fuck you, Amber. (laughs) That's where I am. I like, it's kind of astonishing how little empathy that I have for Amber at this point. Like, I just want to issue an Amber a hearty fuck you. And honestly, good for fucking Andrew for not doing this show. Because people can sit here all they want and be like, he was leaking it. He poked the bear. Blah, 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 blah. But he's not sitting here and making himself look like a fucking idiot on this TV show. Because everybody who goes on this TV show looks like a fucking idiot. And I'm sure if he was, he would continue to look like one. And I, for one, as somebody who wants to be on Andrew's side, appreciates the fact that I can just rant and rave and scream about Amber. And I don't have to include Andrew in this mess. <laughs> Um, let's just quickly talk about Kate. So we find out that Kate is feeling really triggered. She goes to see her psychiatrist, which once again, I'm like, why is everyone seeing their psychiatrist so often? Like a psychiatrist isn't a therapist. Like you go to the psychiatrist for meds. It's very weird to be going to the psychiatrist to like get therapy. That's not usually how it works. I'm sure there are some psychologists that, or excuse me, psychologists. Wow, I just said it three times in a row. I'm sure there are some psychiatrists that offer therapy. And um, I think some psychiatrists will do like analyzing. Analysis is the word I'm looking for. Analysis. I think psychiatrists are the ones that do analysis. But I'm like, do you not have a therapist? Maybe the therapist just won't film and the psychiatrist will because the psychiatrist feels like She's not actually filming her sessions. Um, She's just, like, talking to her and giving her advice. 
That's probably what it is. The therapist probably refuses to film the psychiatrist does, so they go and see the psychiatrist. <laughs> well, I've just worked it out. <laughs> Do you guys like it when I ask a question and then answer it myself because I'm such a fucking know-it-all? <laughs> um, so Kate's getting heat online, which rightfully so. They show the tweets and the tweets are like, Kate can go fuck herself because she's supporting a person that doesn't deserve it. And Tyler's like, Everybody wants to be black and white and team this and team that. And why can't they just understand that situations are complex? And I definitely believe and support that and like agree with that, that things are black and white or black and white and that it is complex. But the reality is, is that you're on a TV show and you got to deal with it. And that's what comes from being on a TV show. Like, it's just the way it is. And don't act new to this fandom. Tyler is like, I'd rather be a good friend than be right. And it's like, okay, Tyler. <laughs> like, Tyler's doing anything to support Amber. <laughs> Tyler tells us to Google support versus condoning, which makes me want to throw my fucking computer out the window because, hey, Tyler, there's nothing that you could tell me to Google that I don't already know. Okay, that's probably not true. He probably knows more about fixing cars or something than I do. But, like, Tyler, we know the difference, and that's why we are mad at you. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Also, I forgot Kate, like, actually goes to her psychiatrist. She talks about the leaks and how they were really triggering for her. And the psychiatrist basically just, like, validates that it's triggering and says that she's a really good friend. <laughs> Which, I don't know. Is Kate Kate also kept saying how she was a good friend in this episode. I was like, is that true? Like, <laughs> like no offense to Kate, who you guys know I have such a little soft spot for. But, like, I feel like good friend has never been a characteristic of Kate's that we hear about like I don't remember ever hearing about Kate being a good friend so when she said that I was like okay (laughs) sure sure you're a good friend Kate I'm sure you are oh Caitlin was like well if everyone dropped me when I had my mental health issues everything would have been 10 times worse it's like okay but like you weren't physically attacking your husband (laughs) like so stupid it's so stupid she's so stupid they're so stupid Uh, 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 uh. I really just everybody's like such so on one I like can't I can't handle it I can't I can't okay so Cheyenne lets us know that she's starting an event planning business because she planned two events and they went well (laughs) Okay. (laughs) She's like, well, everyone asked me who planned Rage Regardless Rye, and then everybody asked me who planned Ryder's birthday party. And so I was like, why don't I just become an event planner? (laughs) The way she says it is so stupid. It, like, truly, really made me laugh. But then I realized later we find out that, like, her mom and grandmother are both event planners. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, once we found out that her family works in event planning, I was like, oh, okay, that actually makes sense then. And, like, her family can help her out with this. And she probably has other experience from working for them. Like, that's fine. Although, I don't know. It would be like if I decided I was going to be a stockbroker. And I was like, well, my dad's a stockbroker. Like, I don't even know what the fucking stock market is. And my dad is a stockbroker. If that tells you enough about, like, <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> I 
I'm a fucking idiot, basically, when it comes to anything financial or investing or anything like that. And my dad does that as his profession. So, like, I don't know. Wouldn't that be funny if I was like, I'm a stockbroker. I'm going to go ask for my dad advice on being a stockbroker. <laughs> um, basically, Corey's like, that's a great idea. You're so amazing at this. And I'll be here to help you no matter what with Ryder. But then we find out that he gets a call from the challenge and they invite him on the challenge and he's like, well, I can't not go, which is true. Apparently the prize on the challenge is a million dollars. You film for like two months, you get a nice appearance fee. I'm sure, sure, sure. And it's like, how can you say no to that? What I couldn't realize, remember is, do we know if Taylor is pregnant or not at this point? I genuinely cannot remember if we found out that Taylor is pregnant on the show. And this is part of the issue with Team Mom and actually all reality shows and how social media has really killed reality shows and the fact that I'm watching this and I'm like well they haven't said baby but like we know Taylor was pregnant at this time so what exactly is going on um we find out that Corey is going to go on the challenge which like okay I don't watch the challenge I'm not interested in watching the challenge don't care about the challenge um but I mean I guess like it makes sense that they have to include this on Teen Mom um like I said we did get a scene of Corey, not Corey, Cheyenne meeting with her, um, Cheyenne meeting with her grandma, who I love. We haven't seen her grandma before, I don't think, and her parents. And you guys know I, like, really like Cheyenne's family. Like, I, any, this whole episode, I was like, okay, okay, when it came to anything Cheyenne. And then we were suddenly with her family, and I felt very grounded and fine, and I liked watching them. Which, once again, goes to show that I want a show with Cheyenne and her family because I think they're much more interesting than the dynamic between Corey and Cheyenne. Uh, basically, her grandmother is like, make a business plan, get a PR package together, and figure out if you can get the right clients. They suggest that she does corporate event planning, which, like, seems like a no-brainer to me. <laughs> Um, and yeah, basically the big drama is like, will Corey go or will he not go? But he decides to go. So that's fun. Okay, I want to scream about Macy right now. This episode had me fucking heated. So, you know, starting with the insane victim blaming about how Andrew's such a bad person for not getting Amber help through her abusing him. That's what she said. That's what she said. Why didn't Andrew get Amber help so he would she would stop abusing him? That's a crazy thing to say when you break it down like that. We find out that Bentley's turning 11. Remember, we always have a Bentley birthday party. And they want to have a party at the zoo. And she talks to Taylor and she's like, I'm going to invite Ryan and Mackenzie. And here's where I start to feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Am I the only one that remembers that Macy has a restraining order against Ryan? (laughs) Am I the only one who seems to understand how serious restraining orders are and how much trouble you can get for violating restraining orders? Am I the one that has sat here on this podcast and called for Macy dropping the restraining order because she clearly does not fear Ryan and it only gets in the way of their lives? And although I 100% agree that what Ryan did was wrong and that you cannot call up somebody and tell them that you're going to put a bullet in their head and tweet whatever bullshit Ryan was... Well, wasn't it that... They were talking about the internet, but I, my memory is that Ryan, or excuse me, Taylor went on Twitter, which he rarely does, and he had watched an episode where Mac and Ryan were talking shit about Macy, and Ryan, or Taylor basically went on Twitter and was like, without Macy, you guys wouldn't have shit, was the essence of the tweet. 
and Ryan saw it and flipped out and called Taylor and threatened to put a bullet in his head. Right? Is that not what happened? So look, I 100% understood why they got the restraining order. I will lay into Ryan a little bit in a little. Don't worry, I will. But the reason I understand why Macy got that restraining order, I think it being two years, okay, that's probably what their standard restraining order length is. But we know that Macy absolutely does not fear Ryan in any way, and she has no issues with Ryan in the current day as far as, like, safety and concerns goes. So I don't understand why she doesn't go get this restraining order dropped. She tells Taylor that she wants to invite Ryan, and Taylor's like, well, like, can we do that with the protection order? And Macy says, this is truly insane. She goes, well, as long as we put it in writing that we're inviting him there, then it's fine. Girl, what the fuck are you talking about? That is not how restraining orders work. I What she's trying to say is like, well, as long as like he has proof that we invited him, it's okay. But no, no, no. Au contraire. That's not how you say that. Whatever. That's not true. There are so many cases. So in Pennsylvania, PFAs don't go both ways. Um, And there have been, like, I have witnessed violation orders where, in court, where a, the person invites them over. Or maybe PFAs do go both ways because this was an issue. I can't remember. But I've witnessed violations where the person with the PFA invited the person, the defendant, if you will, over to their home, and then because they still want to talk, whatever, then they get into a fight, and the person calls and says, I have a protection order against them, which is their right, and that person gets arrested because they violated their PFA. It does not fucking matter if you invite them over. That's not, the restraining order doesn't say, like, unless Macy invites you over in writing. Like, that's not what it is. Macy's such a fucking idiot, and if she wants Ryan to be at that fucking birthday party, then she needs to call up her lawyer and ask what she needs to do to get the restraining order dropped, which she should be able to do. They should be able to go in front of a judge and say that we no longer need this, and the judge can rescind it. Macy's out of her skull in this episode. She's truly out of her skull. So Macy's friend comes over, and they go into Jade's room, which is a house of horrors, If you did not notice this and you so watched this show, go back and look at the painting on the fucking wall. If you'll remember when they bought that house, it was like insanely painted and I thought they would redo the whole inside, but apparently they didn't because that house is a nightmare and it's really terrifying and the paint on those walls was really upsetting to me. I needed to take a moment. But Macy's friend Katie comes over. Macy's in like full Jeffrey Dahmer glasses that do not look good on her face. They do not. They don't look good. And Macy's like, well... Um, the birthday party is this weekend, so I invited Mackenzie. Okay, point one, did we not just have an episode where you were mad at Mackenzie for only letting you know a week before the party if you were invited and when it was, but now it's okay for you to do that? Okay. She's like, I invited Mackenzie and Ryan and told them they could come, and then she texted me back, and now it's been a couple days, and I didn't know how to respond. I feel like Macy does this a lot where she just doesn't respond to people's texts because she's always, like, letting us know, like... Um, well, you know, I got, like, I got their text and I haven't said anything and now I'll respond. I think Macy waits a lot to text people back, which I find to be rude, to be honest. Like, don't wait days to send me a response, especially when you texted me first. So basically, Mackenzie sends her text back and is like, you know, Ryan and I are just nervous. This is going to be filmed. He doesn't want this to be on camera, that he's violating the protection order and... 
we don't want there to be drama and like we need to clear the air basically it was a really reasonable text i totally agreed with her the idea that ryan would go on camera and violate the restraining order to me is fucking insane it's it's insane it's so insane like and remember the protection order isn't just against um macy and taylor it's the kids too so, like, if those kids are running around and he comes within 100 feet of them, like, he's violated the order. It's one thing when they go to a baseball game, you know, and Ryan can clearly sit, like, where the 100 feet is and, like, the kids aren't, like, there's no chance of them even coming over. Like, it's fine. But for Macy to invite them to the birthday party, it just makes no sense. And uh, Macy writes back, like, I understand there won't be any drama or any weird conversations. Like, just let me know what I need to do to make the day more comfortable for you and Ryan. And I wanted to scream, drop the restraining order. You know how you make this more comfortable? You don't have a fucking restraining order against Ryan and then invite him places. (laughs) Like, what is she talking about? She's telling Katie, like, it's so important for all the kids to be able to hang out together and get along, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, If you want that to happen, then there can't be a restraining order. (laughs) What is she talking about? What is Macy doing? Macy makes no sense in this episode. I really, I'm watching this in disbelief. I'm like, am I the only person that understands how fucking insane this is? Apparently, it's just me and Ryan. Me and Ryan are the only people that understand that, like, what Macy's asking him to do is ridiculous. And she's like, well, I just hope he comes. It's important for him and the kids. (laughs) so our last scene is jen and larry go over to ryan's house and ryan is fucked up first of all he's like has scabs on his face so i don't know what he's doing but he's picking his face which is not a good sign um he can like barely keep his head up he's he's fucked like ryan is high as fuck in this episode it's really sad and scary and ryan and mackenzie bought a house i believe somebody found the records it's just mackenzie's name but it looks nice it's a nice house and uh, Ryan is basically, Jen's asking about the party and Ryan's like, well, you know, I'm going to go, but like, because they're filming, I'm just like going to stay in the background or I'll have to leave if like MTV wants me to film. And Jen's like, so you'll come, but like, you just aren't going to be filmed. Jen doesn't really say anything wrong here. At least I couldn't understand what she was saying that was wrong. And here's the thing. I'm on Ryan's side when it comes to the fact that he shouldn't be going to this party and that it's ridiculous that anybody expects him to go to this party. But I'm not on Ryan's side with the rest of it. Um, He starts yelling that he doesn't understand why his parents don't understand why he needs to be cautious. That I agree with. I totally agree with. And Larry's like on his last straw. And he's like, Ryan, you're being real ugly right now, Ron. You're being real ugly. And Jen is like, but we don't blame you. We don't blame you. And... Larry's like, Ryan, don't forget, you lost your cool and possibly said some things. Don't, did you all notice that he said possibly? Ugh, so ridiculous. Um, basically being like, don't forget, like, you're only in this position because it, of your behavior. And this is what I totally agree with Larry with, and Ryan is so in the wrong here. Like, Ryan is right that he should not be going to this party because he's going to be violating his restraining order. It's going to be on fucking film. Doesn't matter what Macy says to him in the text he's violating the restraining order and it's fucking crazy for him to go and it's fucking crazy for his family to expect him to go and it's fucking crazy that his family isn't saying this is crazy that she wants him to come we're gonna have our own party for bentley we're gonna go but then we'll all have dinner afterwards where we meet up together and do you want us to bring jagger and hudson with us you know there are options like i what i don't understand is why jen and larry are acting like ryan is insane for like being like this is insane that's what i don't get 
Um, I think there are solutions to this. Basically, I think Jen, Jen and Larry could bring Jagger and Hudson. It could be a nice thing. And then they could all meet Mackenzie and um, Ryan for dinner afterwards. Bentley gets it. Bentley knows there's a restraining order. He knows he's not allowed to be around if it's important that the siblings are there, which is great. I do understand that with Macy. That's important that the siblings are there. And I agree with it. And Jen and Larry are perfectly capable of bringing their grandchildren, which Jagger and Hudson are, and just having a nice little party and then they all have dinner afterwards. They go, Bentley goes with them after. That's a totally reasonable compromise. And I don't understand why Jen and Larry aren't pushing for something more like that and why they expect, why they would want Ryan to go and put himself in a vulnerable position. That's what I don't get. Why they would put, they would want Ryan to be in a vulnerable position where he could be arrested again. I, if I'm Jen and Larry, I'd be like, don't you dare go anywhere near them. Don't you dare. And I would say to Mackenzie, or excuse me, Macy, if she's saying that, or if I was Mackenzie and Macy's inviting me places, I'd be like, Macy, we cannot go unless you drop the restraining order. Like, if you want Hudson and Jagger to come with Jen and Larry, or you just want me to come with the kids, like, that is fine. But Ryan cannot go anywhere until the restraining orders drop. And I hope you understand that. Like, like, I, I just don't get why everybody is not, like, straightforward saying this. Like, this, there is a way for this to happen, and it's for Mc- Macy to drop a restraining order. That's it. That's all that has to be done. That's all that has to be done. And Macy has absolutely no fear of Ryan, so I don't feel bad saying that she should drop it. Because she doesn't fear Ryan, and this all this restraining order is doing is fucking with their lives at this point. It's just making things harder for Macy herself. So... Larry and Ryan and Jen are all kind of yelling at each other because Ryan's being an asshole, being like, you guys don't support me. And Ryan is like, all you do is defend him and her. And Larry's like, I'm not defending them. And Ryan's like, I've had it with y'all. You got, there was only, because of them, I had a warrant and I had to go to jail. It's all their fault and you only care about them. And Larry's like, it's all their fault. It's all their fault. And Ryan's like, yeah, I had a protection order, which violated my probation, which meant I had to go to jail. And Larry is like, Larry has, he goes, I could say anything about anybody I wanted and not go to jail. (laughs) Basically being like, hey, dickhead, like you're on probation. You went to jail because you're on probation. You did some stupid shit. Right. This is where Ryan is such an idiot and him still not taking responsibility for this. And I mean, the fact that he's fucking high in this scene and there's no way that Jen and Larry don't know it. And it's just it's poor Jen is crying like it's such a dark and ugly scene. This scene, because I understand why Ryan is mad, but then he just goes so overboard and screaming at his parents. And the fact that he's high, the fact that he takes no accountability is just such a mess. Mackenzie's just sitting there fucking six months pregnant, like being an idiot. Like, what are you doing with your life, Mackenzie? Oh, Mackenzie Edwards, you are an idiot. Like, don't even get me started on Mackenzie. But Larry is basically like, you are an idiot. Like, you're in this situation because of you, which I totally agree. But I also agree why Ryan, he's like, I don't understand why y'all act like this isn't a big deal. Which, once again, I agree with, violating a protection order is very serious. Like, you can get in trouble for it. And Ryan has a criminal history. I don't think he's on probation because I think when he went to jail, he, like, maxed out his probation and that's why he stayed in jail to do that. But, like, he will get arrested. And I just, I I can't get it. Um, He's yelling that they don't care about it, which, like, yes, I agree, Ryan. But he's going about it in such a bad way, in such a wrong way, and treating his parents like shit, like, always because he's an asshole. Because Ryan's just an asshole. And even if he's right in this situation, he still manages to be an asshole and be wrong. (laughs) 
Oh, it's such a mess. It's such, such, such a mess. He's so high in this episode. He's so, so, so high. It's not good. It's really, ugh. it's honestly, I find it very hard to watch how high he is. It really makes me feel like sad. Like it's one of those things that I watch and I'm like sad inside. Oh, God. Macy, drop the restraining order or don't invite Ryan places. Here's the thing. Like, I see everybody online constantly, like, pointing out every single time that Kale interacts with Chris and, like, how she's still talking to him and they have a restraining order, but she still wants to talk to him and blah, 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 which is right. But, like, if that's an issue, how come it's not an issue when Macy is doing all the same shit? That's all I'm saying. So, Mackenzie... I guess Josh found God and so everything's forgiven at this point. By the way, I cannot for the life of me fucking figure out if Mackenzie McKee and Josh are together. She started this season posting that picture saying that they're living apart and they're separated. Um, but then she posted that he redid her laundry room over quarantine and it actually looks pretty good. And I'm like, okay, so Josh is living with them or he's not living with them. And she won't answer if they're together or not. And she was defending Josh, saying that MTV didn't plan this. This was all Josh. She's like, he was mad that MTV was there. He didn't even want them to film. That's why they were standing far away when he proposed. And I'm like, okay, girl. Okay. Um, She also posted, she was doing like an ask me anything on her Instagram. And she posted, somebody said, are you glad that you and Josh worked it out before your mom's passing to have his support? And this was her answer. My mom has always adored Josh and always wondered how he put up with me all of these years. Her last words to him were, I'm so proud of you. Will you pray for me? And he did. I'll never forget that. Ooh, that is so fucking dark. The layers of that. Look, Angie's dead. I know. But that woman did a number on her daughter. A number. And even if Mackenzie wasn't a perfect wife, which we know she wasn't a perfect wife, even if Mackenzie cheated too, which I'm sure she did, the idea that her mom would say that she could never understand why Josh put up with her is so fucking sad. And Mackenzie has internalized that so much. Mackenzie is so sad to me. It's so sad to me. And I really, like I said, I can't figure out if her and Josh are together or not. Like, I asked her straight up on Twitter because I'm... In, a lunatic that does that and she didn't answer and someone responded no they're not but I also feel like um oh wait she posted 16 hours ago kind of want to pretend to be with another man so people stop with the why are you with Josh messages um and someone was like you deserve better he's with you for the fame with like a shruggy emoji and she said Josh and fame lol uh, somebody else said, I'm more focused on the fact that you keep going back to a cheater, your poor children. And she says, I'm surprised these come back to me. Are we both idiots or are we both idiots? Or are we both idiots? My children are fine. I've done worse to him than he has to me. Trust me. Um, she also tweeted, I'm honestly confused why people think I'm stupid for forgiving others. Do you understand what God has had to forgive you for and you do understand I forgave others for myself not for them why would I want to be stuck in misery girl <laughs> oh someone responded I think rightfully and this is exactly how I feel you can be forgiving but that doesn't mean you have to keep the toxicity in your life and Mackenzie said you are correct thank goodness I don't have anyone toxic in my life girl you're a fucking 
like, she's so sad and desperate and pathetic. It's, like, really, it's really hard for me to deal with. It's really, really hard. Um, oh, gosh. So, Mackenzie lets us know that Josh is saved on Twitter and that she's upset that it didn't show more. But on the show, she's like, we went on a marriage retreat and it really, it really helped everything. We're so much better now. It's Mackenzie's birthday and Josh sets up a scavenger hunt. Now, do I believe that Josh set up a scavenger hunt? No. (laughs) Do I believe that Mackenzie's sister set up a scavenger hunt? Yes. Do I believe that Mackenzie's psycho sister, and that's what I'm calling her because Mackenzie's sister, I don't trust that bitch at all. There's something not right about her. She's not right. I'm sorry, but anybody that is, like, so obsessed with Josh is not right. Uh, I don't think MTV set this up. I think that Mackenzie's sister went to Josh and said that, you know, it's Josh, it's Mackenzie's birthday. I think you should do a scavenger hunt and propose at the end. And he said, okay. And then she helped him do it all. Um, Mackenzie lets us know that Josh has not given her a birthday present for the nine years they've been together. And her family's like, that's not true. And she goes, yes, it is. I haven't gotten a present once. Mackenzie did tweet something like, we always go out for dinner. He just doesn't give me a present. And it's like, okay, girl. God. I love how I'm like, I can't figure out if Josh and Mackenzie are together. And then she straight up tweets like, we are together. (laughs) I swear to God, she posted that they weren't together right when she went back on this show. I need to figure this out. At the, like, I feel like I'm losing my mind anytime I listen to anything that she says. Um... Okay, so on March 16th, 17th, she posted this, but I think she's changed the caption to it now because I just looked on her page and couldn't find it. I saw the picture, but I'm looking at it on my feathers underscore pod page. And she said, as many of you know, Teen Mom premieres, premiere airs tonight. Last year was a year I never imagined would happen to me. My heart was shattered to pieces. I learned more about my life and myself in six months than all of 25 years of life. And I lost my very best friend in a time when I needed her most. Some days I feel like I will die of a broken heart. Some days I want to hide in a dark hole and never come out because of complete public humiliation. I've deactivated my Twitter for mental health reasons and will not be watching this season. I guess she changed her mind. I'm still trying to crawl out of last year and to have to relive it all over again is something I don't think I can conquer. For Josh's sake and what I know will be shown, I am here to say that I have not been a perfect wife throughout the years and have made several unfaithful mistakes as he now has, as now he has. I'm choosing at this time to live alone focus on my kids, my business, and growing closer to God. I have let the public control I think of Josh and the choices I make for and the sake of us. I choose to stay away from reading social media. I know God has a new life in my, I know God has my life in the palm of his hand and has a bright, beautiful future ahead of me if I stay faithful to him. Okay, more God talk. But she says right there, right? I'm choosing at this time to live alone. Okay, but then I look at what she posted at this picture on March 17th. And she posted this picture. It was her and the kids. And she just posted. Here it is. Well, I guess this is March 18th. I'm very confused. I think she deleted it and then reposted the picture. And just with a heart. Ugh, girly. Girly. What are you doing? Okay, sorry. I, like... I find Mac McKee and her relationship status to just be very confounding to me. And the fact that they break up and get back together all the time. And she's like, we're not toxic. It's like, yes, you are. Yes, you are. So she goes on a scavenger hunt. The thing that I wanted to mention most is that he has them go to lunch. And when they pull up, she goes, Chili's! He knows I love this place! (laughs) 
And you know what, Mac? I feel you. As somebody who also loves chains and loves chilies, I feel you. That was a real highlight for me. <laughs> Mackenzie squealing how she loves chilies and that Josh knows that she loves chilies. <laughs> Look, there are worse reasons to stay with a person. <laughs> They get foot massages, and he asks her to describe his perfect husband, and Mackenzie says her perfect husband is a leader and trustworthy and uh, her best friend, and her sister's like, well, do you think Josh has those qualities? And Mackenzie right away is like, well, I'm not a perfect wife. And it's like, but nobody's asking the other person to be perfect. Ugh, ugh, ugh. So Josh has him go to the place where they first proposed and has her throw the wedding ring (laughs) And the producer pops up and is like, is that a real diamond? Don't throw it. (laughs) Which I agree with. That's a crazy thing to do. I'm guessing it's not a real diamond. So then they find Josh in the woods and they have a little wedding, a a remarriage. But, you know, they break up after that. They get back together. Oh, Mackenzie is just like the level the level the level of patheticness that i find for mackenzie to be it's almost hard for me to watch the desperation just reeks off of her so badly ugh it's just upsetting it's really upsetting um i really want her to be better but i don't know if she ever will be because i think her family is such trash <laughs> when it comes down to it i think her family is just trash she's just straight up trash they're trash and they want her to stay with josh and i'm not sure why um and that may be harsh but it's just my truth anyway guys i hope everyone has a good week i hope we're all staying home and doing what we're supposed to do i love you all very much i hope everybody is good if you want to listen to my patreon go to patreon.com slash liz bentley if you want to find me on instagram go to feathers underscore pod And we can chat there. If you have any questions about the Patreon, send me a message and I can answer them. Anyway, guys, have a good week. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.